0: Precious, the most, I, I don't know, brilliant,
1: scintillating, <laughs> helpful episode of Positive Sobriety Podcast. That's right. The one where the expiration date is still good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm Nate. I'm here with my friend and yours, David Hampton. Uh, it's this time of year, David, that I feel a special kinship with you. Yes. Be- yeah, because we're recording this, you know, a couple calendars away mm-hmm. from a date that seems to come up with increasing frequency.
1: <laughs> Too often, yeah. yeah. Have you noticed? Yes. Sep- yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, and so I, Dave, David,
0: David, and I share a birthday.
1: We do September seventeenth. We share yeah. a very happy birthday every year.
0: Yeah, we do. Although I, I, I arrived at the planet a few years before you. Not that many, but a few.
1: <laughs> no, not that many. Not, not yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And and that relative distance between us seems to shrink also with every passing year.
1: But yeah, you know? I, right. I think that the older we get, it doesn't matter. You know, is it two years, five years, <laughs> ten years? I don't know. We're both old as white dog shit. It just doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So uh, have you found yourself, uh, you know, in odd moments, in a reflective mood as you approach yet another milestone in this uh, life's journey, David?
1: Yeah, I honestly do. I mean, it's like, you know, birthdays these days for me are more like... Um, you know, I mean, it's not yay, rah, rah, I'm old, you know, or older right, 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 right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. um, you know, it's really reflective. I sometimes think, um, not in a, not in a melancholic way, but uh, just in a way of reflection that, um, I wish, uh, I had known some things that I know now, you know, yeah. I, I actually am happier and more well adjusted and freer at, uh, what will be 62, um, mm-hmm. Then I was at 32 when I thought I had all the vim and vigor in the world, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you had a higher profile and mm-hmm. all these, you know, right? Yeah. Uh right, everything is rising. David Hampton's the man. You've got, you know, a rising national right, and you think, "Boy, this is it."
1: Yeah yeah did you think that oh yeah i i just thought you know how do i how do i sustain this keep it going and make it last forever (laughs) (laughs) yeah nobody tells you that the royalty checks will shrink and that the you will one day not fit into skinny jeans and that you won't be as you know hip and cool and wonderful as you thought you would be um yeah but the reality is that um you know, I, I did, I, I thought that, you know, the persona was everything. Cause that's really what I was trying to live, live. Sure. For, yeah. You know? Um, and so, um, I, you know, I hear people say this a lot, but aging is really freeing to me. I mean, minus the aches and pains and the, yeah,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure.
1: But it is, it's a very freeing thing to just be able to go, you know, I, my give a shitter is really on the blink. Uh, I just don't care that much anymore about what, you know, somebody, you know, thinks. And uh, I remember the first time I was in a recovery meeting and somebody said, you know, what other people think of me is none of my business. And I thought, well, that's novel because, you know, it's been my business to create what people think of me most of my life. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Is age freeing you up? Are you feeling... Less bound, or
0: yeah, absolutely. As I consciously make the leap from what Arthur C. Brooks would call the first curve to the second curve, yeah, you know, uh, when I when I get realistic about uh, you know where my brain is and what its capabilities are, when I mm-hmm. get realistic about my mortality,
2: uh. Mm-hmm.
0: And what legacy actually looks like right when i when when I refocus on relationship, which by the way uh you know my success drive was very strong in my especially in my thirties and forties mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and and so relationships unless they might help me on the success drive
1: mm-hmm.
0: relationships definitely took a back seat,
1: yeah, yeah, right yeah.
0: Right now, realizing how foolish that was,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how blessed I have been to have been given connection to these wonderful people, yeah. and all of us are on the same train. I'm just you know a little farther down the track than many of those folks, but um, to uh, to invest in relationships, um, I no longer have to be the smartest guy in the room.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But I might be the wisest guy in the room.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And part of wisdom is knowing the limitations of your own knowledge. Part of wisdom is a willingness to listen, Mm -hmm. um, and to, uh, and to, uh, listen, respective, uh, respectfully, Mm -hmm. and to do, and then to be an encourager and a, a synthetic thinker, uh, so in a way, it feels like I'm shrinking, David. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel as though in shrinking, I'm becoming more substantial.
1: Yeah. There was I, something,
0: I, about, you know, something about that really large persona that was diffuse. It, it wasn't all that substantial.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But now uh, to shrink a little bit and to become just present here now within the limitations that I'm much more aware of. I feel as though my presence becomes more substantial and my experience becomes richer.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I think that's all very, I echo all that. I, um, you know, my, my mom and dad are 86 years old and they've been married Mm -hmm. for, Uh, sixty-six years. Uh, this past August, they've been together a long time, and um, and they genuinely love each other, and they genuinely um take care of one another. They're still fairly independent, actually, which I'm very grateful for. But I've I've started going down after we finish our podcast recording on Thursdays. I've started scheduling my afternoons with with clients late in the afternoon on Thursdays because I take lunch down every Thursday. And, oh, you know, nice. I was I was realizing that, you know, weekends are hard to get down there and see them. And during the week, I'm busy and I can't go at night because they go to bed early. And, you know, I had all these yeah. reasons, and excuses why I, would, <laughs> why I couldn't make, a, make my a-
0: bedtime is creeping up, man. I got to tell you, it's like dinner bed.
1: Okay, <laughs> I know I'm with you. Um, it's you know, I have about one good hour at night before yeah. I go to sleep. But uh, but, you know, I've, I've started going down with. Uh, just to have a about an hour and a half or two with them every Thursday for lunch, because I realized, you know, not just that they're 86 and they're not going to be around, you know, for 30 more years, but um, you know, that I I am valuing um, time more, I think. Yes. Yes. um, Than I ever did. And, and I looked at that relationship particularly and thought, you know, there's going to be a day where you're going to go, what, what the hell was I thinking of not, you know, yeah. i set my own hours. I don't work for General Motors where I have to punch a clock and get in and get yeah. out. You know, I can, yeah, I can yeah. make this work. And so anyway, I I just think that time is, and relationships are a whole lot more uh, special to me now than they than they ever used to be. Yeah. Yeah. But.
0: Well, here we are in this, you know, existential head as we approach yet another milestone, you and I, David. hmm. Uh, I'm so glad that you're my friend. And I think it's just a bonus that we freaking share a birthday.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. And I love also that, uh, God has engineered your life in such a way that, I mean, you find yourself today in a place that you would not have imagined 10 years ago. I would have imagined for you.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And,
0: right uh find yourself being made useful in ways that were unavailable earlier Mm -hmm. and and you find yourself making connections and forming relationships you never would have seen on down the line and one of those is is uh is going to come up in the uh in the conversation that follows absolutely Uh, yeah uh, another one of those uh quote Random unquote connections that you made (laughs) exactly right right exactly Just turned into something beautiful. Listeners, you're going to love this when we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Well, David, my friend, you have tapped your extended, extensive network here in Nashville. Somehow managed to connect us with another five star guest. You want to go ahead and introduce him?
1: I will. We are really happy to have Evan Radke today. And Evan is the uh, Director of Business Development, I believe, um, is the actual title. Uh, at uh, Recovery Unplugged, which is here in Brentwood, uh, which is a part of the greater Nashville area. And it's actually just down the street from my building. And so we're sort of neighbors uh, in a way. And we discovered each other through a bunch of different circumstances. And (laughs) Um, And so we've spent a little bit of time together and I've gotten to hear about what Evan's doing there at Recovery Unplugged. And I want him to share about all of that. I want him to share how he wandered into this uh, whole kind of profession from his own personal story and all that stuff we always like to ask. So, Evan, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. We're real glad to have you.
2: Absolutely, guys. Very grateful to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Anytime we get the chance to spread experience, strength and hope especially around what we specialize, I'm always grateful for the opportunity. So glad to be here this morning. Yeah, glad to have you. Well,
1: Evan, how did you um, get uh, connected, not, not with Recovery Unplugged quite yet, but um, just into the area where you decided maybe you wanted to use uh, what I'm assuming is a recovery story of your own to
2: uh, help others in their, in their journey? Absolutely. So that's a, a big part of the question. Someone tried to streamline <laughs> it. To, you got a lot of room in there. Yeah. That's right. And so my passion has really been a big focal point, um, being a part of this industry and wanting to expand uh, to impact more people. Um, and it started quite a few many years ago. I went through a treatment center. Um, May 15th, 2014 is my sobriety date. Went through a treatment center in Burns, Tennessee called Discovery Place um like oh it's from-
0: you're a discovery place guy oh i yeah. love that
2: okay they, uh, hey back
0: it up no no rewind a little bit further how the hell did you wind up in discovery place
2: so another great question addiction has been in the background of my family for quite some time whether it be mm-hmm. my father my mother and my brother we all have addiction tendencies um came full circle we can share more about it later and um It's neat how this it came to pass. We're able to help family members later on once we get beautiful. Um, So things have come full circle from those family members helping me years ago, and so with that mentality, uh, fast forwarding through you know high school and college, where you know parties were Monday through Monday. um, (laughs) You're looking for a reason to change the way you feel, and so you're a chameleon, right? You you Uh mask all these different. Groups of people because you can find something to fit what you're looking to do, um, an excuse to, to change the way you feel. Um, and so fast forwarding it, I had some injuries. Uh, baseball was a big part of my life growing up. Oh, was, an
0: athlete. OK, yeah.
2: Yeah, I was a top 100 prospect for Under Armour uh, back in the day. Had some good opportunities to play at the collegiate level and had a... What ACL. was your
0: position? Uh, I'm just curious. I'm a baseball guy. What was right your on. position?
2: So back then, I was right field and first base, is what okay. I was getting.
0: Are you a tall guy? I can't. I can't tell. I've never it's, met it's you. It's hard
2: from a virtual virtual angle, but right yeah. at six three, depending on who I'm talking. To, oh, ideal first baseman. Okay, all right, good. All right. Yeah. So baseball was great. Um, it played football and basketball as well. Had a, a non-contact ACL tear, which uh, started um, a new chapter for me. Ended up having a bad case of staph infection, which oh. turned into multiple surgeries throughout, played continued to play sports, played one year of baseball down in a JUCO baseball league in Panama City, Florida. Still in the the rehabilitation, still trying to work on my knee to get to that next level. Um, Retour for the third time, fifth surgery, uh-huh. and said that's that's it. I'm just gonna hang it up yeah. and head to college. And so During that time, of course, we, you know, did what we thought was normal in high school. We drank and partied and smoked pot. But during that time, I started getting introduced to pain medications, to Mm -hmm. diazepines, all these things to fix what my problems were. Um, And so whenever I went to college, I went to the University of Alabama my sophomore year and um, had a good friend from high school that said, hey, man, um, I've actually got a great house. It's on a party streets right next to the stadium. It's great. Love for you to move in. Also, by the way, have you ever tried OxyCodin? I was like, man, oh. that's crazy. I'm not trying that. Like it's I still had somewhat sense. It's like if I'm doing heroin, I'm not that bad as long as I'm not smoking crap kind of mentality. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was that sickness of, no, I'm not doing that, but I'll stick yeah. here. Um, I think he asked me three times and on that third time I said yes and we were off to the races. So that kind of propelled me in mm. to what we do now um, just because I had no idea back then of the implications of taking a substance, even just recreationally, even just for yeah. fun, what it could lead to. Um, so that through college um, maintained a pretty good image. Um, joined a fraternity. I was a part of the sales team in Alabama. Um, had a great relationship back then. So I kept up a good image and I had Mm -hmm. friends that I would hang out with that, you know, played sports or played football in Alabama and were were decent and what they're wanting to do in life. And I say decent based on they were going to class, they were doing college, they were doing things to help themselves. Mm -hmm. Then I had my other group of friends that we could do whatever we needed to. Uh, And that just continued to snowball Um, One of my favorite statements, it was a while back, Brett Favre, of course, he's public about it, went through his treatment process and he gave Mm -hmm. a statement to the press. They asked him what happened. It's Like you even have a Wrangler Jeans commercial. Why would this happen? Why would you choose to do something negative? And he simply stated a little bit became a lot. And that's been true throughout high school, college. It's I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. A little bit became a lot. And here I am. Um. And so was able to maintain through, through college, uh, ended up graduating, got a job out of college. And it was always, once I get to this level, then I'll be able to maintain, then I'll get my, my shit together, my life together. Yeah. um, And things will be groovy. And you guys, I'm sure know it all too well. Um, Our plans, um, talking about going through Discovery Place, I went back twice because the first time I had a plan, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) my work out too well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's always interesting, you know, when um, even in our sickest times, our hardest times, our most desperate times, we still want to dictate the terms of our recovery to the people that are trying to help us. I don't know if that's exactly what you're implying, Evan, but that certainly uh, has been true in my world and my life and people I work with. and. You know, um, it's like, OK, it's, it would be like me going to the doctor and saying, OK, here's what I think is is wrong with me. And here's what I want you to do about it. That's it. <laughs> said, yeah. You know. Good. Yeah. 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 And it's
0: worse if you're a smart guy. Right. Uh, I, I it was uh, I, what I was told early in recovery was you can't be too dumb for this, but you can be too smart. Yep.
2: Mm. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I start mixing in options and choices Uh Yeah, Uh, I'm a big schemer. So I'm always trying to scheme what the next you know, best thing is, the best feeling is. Uh, So typically left up to my own plans and devices. It it doesn't doesn't work well. Um, So outside of college, you know, I move up to Franklin, Tennessee. I get a, a single bedroom apartment. I say I chose it. But the reality was I didn't want anyone to know what was truly going on. Uh-huh. Uh, back then, I had learned throughout this process with five knee surgeries that I can go to most pain clinics and have a, a pharmaceutical representative be the one that subscribes me to all the things that I need. Uh-huh. Um, so I was prescribed everything that I needed for about thirty dollars a month back then. Wow! Uh, wow! Which just it took it to the to the next level. I thought I was at the top of of what I was doing, how I was abusing my life, my body, all these things to maintain a feeling. Um, But it just continues to go to that next level. That bottom is Mm. never, never what I think it is. Um, So that continued working. Um, Didn't really pan out. I did well for a little bit. I'm a good sprinter, not a great marathon runner. So I did well for a little bit until they started to catch on. Um ended up losing my job, lost a relationship, lost. Of course, I was isolated at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. At the very end of it, I was taking uppers in the morning to get up at, say, 6 o'clock. I was using a substance throughout the day to maintain a level. And then when I got off of work, if you're up, you've got to come down. And I was using a substance until, you know, 3 or 4 in the morning, getting a couple hours of sleep and repeating the process. Got down. I know it's hard to see it virtually around six three, two hundred and twenty 220 pounds, and I got down to about 160 pounds. Um, so it was, oh, it was um, a bottom that you never fathom yourself getting into. Uh-huh. Um, you never expect your life to be at that level. And the crazy part is back then, I could look in the mirror and say, You're doing all right. Um, just mm-hmm. tomorrow's a new day, or we'll change things later. Yeah. Um, so, all these components led to me hitting a bottom. My family was a big part in getting me to the next step. My sister, she uh, she's a school teacher at a school back in Florence, Alabama. She went through postpartum depression after her second kid. And so she somewhat understood the mentality of, I just, I don't want to keep moving forward. I don't want to stop, but I don't want to keep going. Um, and so she was able to help me. That's where I got plugged in through Discovery Place, there's a great organization back in Florence called Run to the Cross. They're at a Crosspoint Church. They help mm-hmm. me a, a scholarship, stating that if you're serious about it, we'll help you out. Um, and so, took that opportunity to go to Discovery Place. Uh, first stop was at a, a detox psych ward to get stabilized. Uh, mm-hmm. was a, a fun experience um, to say the <laughs> um, So. Throughout this process, then got to go to um, Discovery Place, checked in, thought I was there for a weekend, stayed for 30 days, and they had a plan for me, decided that I had better options. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to get my life back in order. Whatever I thought that was in the moment, I wanted to get it back. Um, So I said, thank you. I've got it from here. I'll continue to volunteer. I'll get a sponsor. I'll do all the things you want me to do, but it's going to be my way. Uh, so within about seven or eight weeks in that process, right. I relapsed and I went straight back. I got all the way graduated, all the way to intravenous substances throughout this process, and that's that's where I got to in just two months. Uh, wow. You know, ten years, twelve years of use got me to that point. I get all the knowledge that I need, mm-hmm. and then it takes me just two months to get back to where I was. Yeah, uh, and that's a that's a scary thought to have, especially with what's on the streets today. Yes. It's, it's uh-huh. a very scary thought. And so people come from different circumstances, but I understand to an extent what they experience. Um, that feeling, like I said, you, you don't want to keep going forward, but you don't want to quit. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, it's being stuck in a spot, not knowing what to do. Um, so the second time through Discovery Place was a different story In that, my parents, they drew a line in the sand and said, we love you. That's unconditional. But the things we give you, like our time, our money, um, all those things, those are conditional on you accepting this step in the treatment. We're going to give you 40 bucks. You can get a bus ticket. It's about two miles down the street. Or you can go in the store today. Good luck. My mother drove away, hated her in the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't know she drove away and cried because it was one of the hardest things she had to do. Uh, mm, yeah, but in that moment, it was up to me. I had no safety net. I had forty dollars. Wrecked my third car. Um, what's my option? I got three pots and a cot in this treatment center, or I can try to figure it out on my own. So, going through Discovery Place with that different mindset of I'm not here to fool anybody because it's now up to me to own this recovery. I want to mm-hmm. see what I yeah. get from it. Um, so I slowed the process way down. Went to sober living after Discovery Place and um, was just going to stay a month. Ended up staying almost two and a half years. Wow. Because of what I saw it do, not just for myself, but other people in that environment. And it was the mentality of what am I racing back towards? What am I Uh trying to get back to? If I have peace and contentment and joy and I'm moving in the right direction, what am I trying to find? What else is out there? And so I took my time, and that's what we'll share on it here shortly. What got me so invested into helping people in the next step transition and sober living, um, just because the environment that people are in—you know, it's you know, it's friends by proximity, it's it's recovery by proximity. I'm a firm believer that what you surround yourself with, that's going to become most likely a big part of your life. Um, same thing with you know, recovery unplugged, having huge components in alumni and connection. It's a big piece, a reason I came on to them is because it's such a valuable point in my recovery process. Um, so that kind cool. of, in a nutshell, trying to kind of skim through the, the big pieces to kind of give some insight on what drove me this direction.
0: Every person engaged in the fight against alcohol addiction has their own reason for being involved. Maybe it's a husband or wife, a daughter or son, a mom or a dad, a best friend, a colleague, a job, a hobby, or just yourself. Whatever your reason for recovery, we're all in this together. On the Positive Sobriety podcast, we understand that the opposite of addiction is connection, and our mission includes building a strong community and working together to break the stigma of alcohol addiction. That's why we've partnered with Soberlink to expand and strengthen our community even further. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip or a relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at Soberlink.com slash PSP. That PSP, of course, stands for Positive Sobriety Podcast. The link, again, is Soberlink.com slash PSP. This, if you will, Evan, I'm I'm fascinated. This is getting very personal, very uh, relevant for me right now. Uh, talk to me about your experience in sober living. What were, you were there two and a half years. What were uh, what were the major components of that sober living house? What were the challenges? What were the benefits? What were the parameters? Can you give us uh, a picture of what that was like?
2: Absolutely, and I want to preface to say I had. No idea what sober living was before I stepped into it. Um, I had an idea of what I deserved in my life, what I thought I needed, and it was completely opposite, truly, for what it is today. Um, So getting into sober living, there's a lot of options, a lot of different price points for people. What I always suggest is don't focus on the amenities, focus on the people and focus on the structure. Um, right. so back then I didn't have the luxury of going to a, a, a nice setup, sober living. Um, I went to a very structured sober living, but it was an old women's home. It was about 25 people. Um, and that was my very first experience. It was a place called foundations out in Burns, Tennessee. Uh, Freeman recovery is actually in that building today. Same building. Um, so walking into it, I had no car I had no money at $40. um, I had no job, had no idea what I was going to do. I knew two people um, in that house, and that was just from them coming out to Discovery Place to volunteer. So for some for some capacity, I felt somewhat isolated. But what Sober Living put in front of me was a morning structure, an mm-hmm. opportunity to volunteer, an opportunity to connect with other people, an opportunity to do, you know, recovery AA, whatever it was, and a chance to do an inventory of my day. So it put me, whether I wanted to do it or not, it was mandatory. And the only other option, if I was to leave, was to be on the street left up to my own devices. And remember, I have, Mm -hmm. I have no other things in my life. So with that being said, if you have options and choices, just jump into it with two feet. Um, Once you get into that flow and that structure, it took me about 30 days. Um, Mm -hmm. You're thinking about all the places you should be, all the things you should have in your life. It's a lot of shoulds um, instead of coulds. You know, I could have it, but here's where I am today. So you should the hell out of yourself those first little bit as you're finding your direction. You're put into a position where it's it's inevitable that you're going to find a good path. Um, you're going to be involved with other members in recovery. Um, you're going to be cooking and hanging out and doing all the things with like minded individuals. Um, So this group had, even though they didn't have all the bells and whistles for amenities, they had a phenomenal structure. Um, A lot of those pieces I took um, shook up a little bit and use for what I do today. um, Just because I saw it work really well with, you know, people that were high caliber to what would be considered low caliber. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean that with all respect, it's just, it impacts all types of people. Um, And so with this Sober living, they put a structure in place where you had a certain amount of meetings to make a week. You had a Mm -hmm. curfew. Uh, You, of course, had the accountability of being drug tested. Um, You had chores that were mandatory that you did, but you did them together. Um, So it's the same mentality that I would look for in sports. Um, They're big about it in the military. When you go through tough things together, and even if you don't want to do it, it brings camaraderie. And all of a Mm -hmm. sudden you have people going through this journey with you and you're not alone. You're not isolated. You don't feel like what the hell is wrong with me. It's Bill just experienced this Tuesday. I'm okay. Everything's okay. I'm going to go cook some food, hang out. We'll be fine. Um, So this month long process that I set myself up for initially in sober living turned into that during that 30 days was I don't have another best option for growth. Uh Um, I Line it all up. Nothing is going to help me as much as being in sober living right now. If My main objective is sobriety, building relationships with, with God, with other people and growth. If you can put all that into a bucket, it would be growth, personal growth. Uh-huh. Sober living is going to set me up way better than me being on my own. Me going back to live with a, 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 a rough relationship, me going yeah. back to live with an old environment. Like you put it on paper, Sober living is going to be your best option every time. So I used to, I would say, man, that sucks. You got to go to sober living. You can't go home, man. Hopefully you get out soon. soon. Now today, my message has changed where it's, if you have the luxury to take time away from life, to get into sober living, do it.
1: If you uh-huh. don't have any other
2: options, that's a luxury because uh-huh. this is going to give you the best path for success. Uh-huh. Um, and that's strictly, of course, my opinion, but I've seen this for the past seven to eight years of people have good success in good structured environments. Um, so I get a little too fired up in the details when it comes to those things, but I just wanted to, to map out an image. Some of the best. That's, that's awesome. Some of the yeah. best times, most peace of mind. Um, it's funny. Mike Tyson gave, it's not in comparison, but Mike Tyson gave an example. And what's the most peace you ever had in your life? He said, the three years I spent in jail. Now sober living is in no way comparison because you have all your yeah. friends Uh Um, but you have what you're focused on in front of you. You want to get up on time. You want to go to work. You want to hit a meeting. You want to eat with your friends. You want to do your wrap up and you want to get, get to bed on a decent time while mixing in some exercise. Uh That's your day. There's not Uh too much that you have to worry about. All Uh the things in life that you screwed up, those come by working the program and working the process. That's comes with time. Um, So it's, it's a beautiful process. The hardest part though, is that first 30 days, of i'm going to be in this with two feet because typically people want to say do i really need this Mm -hmm. is this really what's best for me yeah
0: yeah when you first signed on to sober living uh evan did you sign on for a specified length of time did you say i'm here for 30 days 60 days 90 days a year what was the deal
2: Great question. Um, so that was more of a personal choice. They, of course, they'll let you stay as, as long as you need to, typically under those under those realms of, of doing what you need to do, following the rules. In my mind, I was set up to stay 30 days. In 30 days, okay. I felt I could get back on my feet and into yeah. that next transition to get what I thought my life was supposed to be back. Um, but, yeah, 30 days is what I initially internally signed on for.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, And we always tell people coming out of treatment, um,
1: Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to have structure activity and connection. And, um, the interesting thing is, is that sounds really simple, (laughs) you know, to people like, well, I can, you know, make myself go to bed at a certain time. I can, you know, make sure that I connect with a group somewhere or, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get 20 minutes of a walk in or so maybe a workout if I'm feeling really good again. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, Much more. It sounds like Evan. It's much more likely that you're going to experience that um, in a in a structured environment like what you've had and and like what you provide now, because you actually have some sober living
2: facilities uh, of your own. Am I right? I do. And so we have uh, two houses in Dixon, Tennessee. One as a a sober living, and one as somewhat of a three quarters um, house for guys transitioning. Once they get to about six months to a year, you have you know, good stability, and it's looking for that next step. I'm big on goal setting, and it's like once you hit a goal, you want to make sure you have the next step. You don't want to become stagnant and say, man, I'm just treading water here, doing the process, doing all the things in sober living. Um, one thing we pride ourselves in sober living is we have a great track record, um, minimal relapses, and we keep people inside of our sober living typically about three times as long. Typically, people stay about three months inside of sober living. Our average is around nine months for individuals. Mm. Um, We pride ourselves in that because we want people. The biggest thing is take a step back, be patient, and really take everything that you can at face value. Uh, What your life is, what you're doing, who you're with, and really jump into it.
1: Yeah. Um, well, well, tell us about Recovery Unplugged because you guys are doing something a little bit unique, and that is you're utilizing music. Uh, you know, ironically, here in Nashville, uh, <laughs> but you're utilizing music to help people access um, good uh, models of, of recovery, good experience in getting the front of the brain to wake up. I'm assuming, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, tell me about. Um, a little bit about uh, whatever is going on there at Recovery Unplugged that makes you guys just a little bit different than what they might experience somewhere else.
2: Absolutely. So, Recovery Unplugged, we got our start down in Florida about six years ago and have expanded since then to three additional locations one in Austin, Texas, one in Virginia, right next to Washington, D.C. You can actually see the Washington Monument um, from the locations pretty neat. And then, most recently, our location in Nashville. Um, One of the biggest things that attracted me to recovery unplugged being a part of recovery, we were actually going to volunteer at recovery unplugged every Wednesday for a a newcomers meeting. Um, And what I noticed during this, and we've been doing this for about two and a half years is that the first time through treatment is not always guaranteed to be the last time that someone goes through treatment. Most people, you know, double, triple dip. um, And even more than that, we hope they never do, but if they do, knowing that they have a safe avenue to get restarted in the right direction. Um, so I started asking, I started seeing a trend, and I started seeing how many people that were having hiccups and trip-ups were coming back to Recovery Unplugged. Same reason I went back through Discovery Place. In my mind, that was the best place for me. Um, so many people were coming back through, and they weren't just referencing just um, Recovery Unplugged. They were referencing their therapist. They were saying, hey, I want to come back. Is Joanna still there? I want to okay. make sure she's my therapist again. Okay. Uh, so I knew there was something special around what they were doing, not just while patients were in Recovery Unplugged, uh, what they were doing outside of Recovery Unplugged as well. Um, so music, of course, like you mentioned, is our focal point. We believe in tying people to an experience. Um, if you've had something big happen in your life, whether it be a, a wedding day, a graduation um, a walkout song, whatever it may be, if you think of those moments and there's music and you think of that song, typically it can take you back to that moment. Um, and so we want people, every day is not Hawaiian shirt day, I wish it was. Uh, <laughs> we want people when they have those dark moments um, to be able to come back to that experience, knowing that they're loved, they're supported, and they have an avenue of resource um, to connected. And so tying people to an experience, having that be a big focal point centered around music Um, has helped people going along with the core modalities um, like, you know, our cognitive behavioral therapy our dialectical behavioral therapy, EMDR, all the great core modalities. It goes along with it to make sure that they can have a great avenue of resource. Um, And so inside of Recovery Unplugged, we have great components for detox, residential, as well as our virtual outpatient. Um, So if someone is needing that very first initial start they're in dire straits they can come to us for detox continue on through residential care um, we do work with a lot of great other treatment providers inside of nashville trusted providers if people are wanting more time inside of treatment mm-hmm. we want to connect those pieces together um, to make sure if you can devote it and you have the ability to put more times towards your treatment let's do it um, So we want to make sure people have longevity in their recovery. Building on that, they have one of the best, um, maybe slightly biased, but one of the best alumni programs that I've seen uh, of any treatment provider, putting that big emphasis on keeping people connected, keeping people engaged. So they do an alumni meeting once a week uh, for their local alumni members. They do it once a week nationally for anybody who wants to sign on from Florida um, they do once a quarter what's called sober sessions. So they have it at uh, Riverside Revival. They'll have musicians uh, yeah. play. They had uh, this about three weeks ago, and around 350 members come to connect. Wow! Wow! Um, and so that community aspect, from you know my story of having that be such a big part of it, I see that, and that's what attracted me so much to Recovery Unplugged. Is we're going to invest in you. They're just you know, big enough to make an impact and just small enough to make it personal about each and every patient. Um, I'll say this um, and I'll turn it back to you guys because I'll speak on <laughs> uh, One of the first couple of weeks, you know, making a transition into a new occupation or new job, you want to make sure you make the right choice, right? You know, am I doing the right thing? Did I join the right company? And so I've been with Recovery Unplugged for a few months now. And in the first couple of weeks, I was reading through some patient notes. And seeing the emphasis on every detail of making sure these patients were taken care of, uh. their experience was personable, um, and they found security in coming to Recovery and Plug. We had a gentleman that was coming in, had been to a few treatment centers, and the very first action um, he was going to do once he got there was meet with our director, Christina, discuss his next steps for the next you know 30 days and making sure that he had a true plan of action because he just did not have a good experience the last time he was in an impatient place. Uh, So just instead of sticking him in, hopefully he makes it, hopefully he clicks. They spent 30 minutes at the beginning with one of their higher ups to say, hey, we want to discuss what the best plan for you is. Making sure that you're supported, your family's supported, everybody's on board. Let's get you in the right direction. Um, so just that attention to detail with patients, Yeah, uh, I would say is one of the biggest pieces to go along with our alumni programming, keeping people engaged and connected. Um, plus it's a, it's a pretty, I think it's 2022 the correct way is to say it is it's a pretty hip place. Uh, you have music playing at a low decibel throughout the facility. It's very energetic. It's very passionate. We want people to be engaged, but we want them to be comfortable, Yeah. Uh, so we are fully accepting of uh, people, uh, you know, substance abuse is our primary focus. Uh-huh. We also venture, of course, into the mental health realm. Uh-huh. Those things overlap in most situations. Uh-huh. Uh, but everyone from male, female, people that are transitioning, LGBTQ community, we are greatly supporting of anyone who is interested in changing their perspective on life and starting the yeah. way recovery. Yeah. Uh, so all that to be said, Recovery Unplugged is a pretty phenomenal place, very comfortable. It's about 34 individuals total. So you're not going to be surrounded by a tremendous amount of people or get lost in crowd. Mm. a crowd. You're going to have a double, sometimes triple the amount of individual therapy appointments per right. week. Um, and that starts in detox. So they have that ability in detox to start their individual sessions. I think it's probably one of the big reasons when patients reference Recovery Unplugged, they talk about their therapist's. Uh-huh. Um, first and foremost, is because they get so much time with those individuals.
1: Yeah, well, and, and at those particular most vulnerable times, that's a that's a bonding experience that um, is you know is vital. And and so it's very cool that you don't have to be a. I want I want to make sure people hear you don't have to be a musician or an aspiring musician or a professional musician to consider this as your as your treatment option. Um, But one of the things I found cool, Evan, that you told me when we got together uh, a couple of weeks ago was that uh, you have uh, certain nights where musicians from the Nashville area come in and make music with people. Um, You know, there's kind of a uh, there's an opportunity for uh, not just alumni, but what I understand is, you know, just musicians that want to give back in some capacity to
2: come in and uh, and do some pretty cool things. That's it. You know, Nashville is blessed with phenomenal musicians. I live, we moved uh, to Nashville about a year ago and I live next to two musicians. Just throw a rock and hit them. Um, <laughs> yeah. so we've got feel good Fridays that happens on Fridays um, happens once a month. We're able to bring in local musicians to come connect, give back. I promise the musicians probably get more out of it than the patients do. Uh-huh. Uh, because that, that feeling of gratitude you get for the opportunity to share your craft as well as give back, um, right. It's a pretty really phenomenal experience, uh, but yeah, feel good Fridays for local musicians. We even have local comedians that will come in and do their stand ups. Um, it's a pretty good time.
1: Nice, yeah. And if a musician or a person, you know, listening to this, because um, we we tap into a lot of creative folks, I think, and that that listen to us, uh, if they wanted to participate in something like that, how would they how would they get in touch with you to do that?
2: Absolutely. And so I can share my email address with you guys. Um, do you want me to go ahead and state it here? Uh, yeah, do it. Yeah. So yeah, if anyone is interested in coming to play music, connect for one of our music groups, uh comedians as well. We do live mic days on Wednesday. Um, so there's a lot of good opportunity to connect, but you can send me an email. It's gonna be my last name, first initial. So it's R A D T K E E at recoveryunplugged.com. Also, let me give you my direct number as well. It is area code 256-710-9930. You can send me a call or text. Um, and that goes both for people wanting to come give back at Recovery Unplugged, mm-hmm. or if you're interested in wanting to know more about our programs to get connected. Um, as you mentioned, David, this is not just for musicians. Uh, we use music because most people, um like music, they can connect to music and it can start a conversation and mm-hmm. so anyone who is in that realm of I enjoy music would be a good fit at recovery unplugged. That was a great point good, good good.
0: fantastic. well, what uh an inspiring uh conversation, Evan, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. We're going to put that information in the show notes as well uh and I look forward to a lot of follow-up contact after this episode. I think listeners are, are going to want to connect with you. I know David and I are going to want to maintain a relationship with you. I'm thrilled that we get to serve in this uh, arena together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Just
2: well, all right. well, listeners, you go, you go, you're your boss. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: I'll just say, I'll just say listeners. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, I enjoyed that conversation with Evan uh, so much. And uh, it was great meeting with him a couple of weeks ago in my office. He dropped by just to tell me, you know, a little bit about recovery unplugged. And we had, um, known a little bit about that, um, you know, back in, um, uh, before COVID, I think our friend Phil Bogard with rock to recovery, uh, partners yeah. with them some, but you know, the interesting thing is that, um, I, I, I love that, um, they're utilizing something really creative that we know, uh, that the brain, uh, responds differently to with, with music. And, and I love the fact that they're giving musicians a chance to come in and, and do some really cool things with the, uh, the, the, uh, people that are experiencing the inpatient program. And, um, so I just, uh, I I just feel like it's a, a really unique opportunity. I hope people who might uh, need to be looking into options can explore that. Um, They've got a great, uh, they've got a great thing going on over there and uh, they're not so huge that people get lost. Like you said, so I was very, very glad to get Evan to talk about that.
0: Well, I'll tell you why I was fascinated. Uh, You know, listeners to this podcast will know that, uh, that my primary addiction is porn and sex addiction. So that's my recovery story and uh i'm part of something called the samson society which is not exclusively for porn and sex addicts we do have members whose primary battles are uh around alcohol uh, and drugs uh, as well as other things and for those in that population a recovery unplugged sounds i mean freaking fascinating yeah yeah uh but also, uh, Sampson Society, Sampson House, the nonprofit that supports the Sampson Society, has just acquired its first house, which yeah. is two blocks from where Ellie and I live. And, and now we're trying to hash out, what do we do? Well, it looks like we got 10 beds. Mm-hmm. Now, the beds aren't there. It's empty rooms. <laughs> but we've got this house, you know, on yeah. two acres in a wonderful place, an hour from Nashville. Um, how do we use this property? to, uh, you know, to the best advantage for people who are uh, making their way out of, you know, the the wilderness of addiction back into life. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know that it involves community. We also know that ideally it's going to involve therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is not, not going to be a treatment center. No way it's going to be a treatment center. Although I've been talking to our mutual friend KK, about <laughs> um, you know uh, yeah. about about the possibility of bringing therapists down here on a semi-regular basis. To you know, I uh, I don't know, but my mind is spinning. This is uh, new territory for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is both thrilling and terrifying. Yeah, uh, I you know, I can't wait to see what the future holds for this property that we're now calling, by the way, Samson Manor.
1: There and you go. So I, yeah. I think that does. It's, uh, <laughs> it evokes an image, a certain image. But
0: but here's the thing. All of us, I I wish, you know, it took me two and a half years, first of all, after walk, walking into my first 12-step meeting to really experience sobriety. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't and i never back in those days i never got the benefit of treatment i didn't get my first treatment experience until i'd been in recovery for quite a while
1: uh-huh.
0: i never got a so uh but uh man the opportunity to spend even 30 days in that kind of a nurturing structured environment yeah how huge might that have been
1: yeah yeah
0: you know how Absolutely. many months or years might that have might might that have saved me and if i could, if I could couple that with some intensive therapy, that's the other Mm -hmm. thing we're talking about with Mm -hmm. Samson Manor is, you know, tapping into our expensive, uh, our extensive network of of well-trained therapists to come in and do like four day intensives. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. It might've saved
0: me and Allie and our, you know, our whole family a little, a, a little bit of grief.
1: Yeah. Well, likewise. And I think that, um, you know, in in a situation like what you guys are starting up, uh, it's a great opportunity to get people, um, in touch with their trauma work before they get back into real life, you know? Yeah. Um, because whether it's porn and sex or alcohol substances, codependency, I mean, relationship, love addiction, what name your poison. I mean, it's, it's all rooted in pain management that we started somewhere, uh, for some reason. So yeah, I'm excited for what you guys have the opportunity to do, Nate. I know it's been a dream for a long time, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know it's been one of those someday things. And to yeah, see yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, just kind of come up out of the out of the ashes here is, is exciting. It, it's
0: crazy. It's five years ago that we incorporated Samson House as a nonprofit entity uh-huh. with no house. <laughs>
1: <Right>? Well, <laughs> house is relative. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a lot of things, but yeah, no, I know it, it's taken time, but I feel like this is a really, and I love the idea that it's a, enough out of town that it's not, uh, you know, it's not like guys are going to go back home, uh, because home is three and a half miles across town, right? Uh, yeah, sure. easily. Yeah. They're yeah. going to, they're yeah. going to have to, they're going to have to park it there for a little bit, you know, That's right. you don't just wander into Mount Pleasant.
0: That's I'm out here with Nate and the rednecks. Here,
1: yeah. <laughs> I want to come out and see your house because I still haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, we're going to set mean, up an
0: open house real soon.
1: And I I've seen your beautiful online pictures, but I want to I want to go experience Mount Pleasant. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, as always, David, we want to remind our listeners that we thrive on their feedback. Comments on, uh, you know, the content that we have posted, as well as suggestions for where we might go in the future, suggested guests. Uh, That's really the lifeblood of this podcast. And you can always reach us at positive podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And also, you know, a big round of applause and a hearty uh, round of thanks to our indefatigable is that? Oh, did I pronounce it?
1: <laughs> I had never heard that word. No, I no. Mean, that... <laughs> Our might... gifted and tireless
0: uh, uh, engineer Rex Schnelly absolutely who really puts this all together. You know, we kind of we we hand him some straw and he spins it into gold and yeah. turns it into a show week after week.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't want to think about this without Rex uh, behind the curtain. So.
0: Oh, man. He's got a <laughs> talent for making people look
1: good. He does, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else, Dave, before we say goodbye?
1: I don't think so. I think I'm just really looking forward to some uh, good guests coming up this fall and um, yeah. getting to share some more great stories with everybody. So
0: Sure, sure. Well, all right then, friends. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer, Rick Schnelli. Music by Rick Schnelli. Theme music by Matt Ulrich. Uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett. Uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford.